0: family how we doing it It is so good to see each of you this weekend. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Justin, and I'm the campus pastor here at the Bettendorf campus. And whether you're here in Bettendorf or joining us in Rock Island, Kiwanee, or dropping in online, I want you to know I am so glad that you're here, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I know in the Barnes household we did, all right? Any day that you can spend the entire day in your pajamas is a win in my book. Anyone with me on that? Yeah, and that's exactly what we did. In fact, Uh, all of us, our entire family has matching flannel pajamas, and we rock them all day long, all right? I had somebody earlier asked me, I want to see a picture of that. I'm like, no you don't, you know, like what are you doing? Um, but anyways, it was uh, a great Christmas. Um, and I got to tell you, in, in Psalm 96 there's a moment where the psalmist implores us to, to declare the marvelous deeds of the Lord, to, to tell everyone of the amazing things that He has done. And I want to take a moment just to do that before we jump into the message. message. Because last weekend, as we gathered across 15 different uh, Christmas celebrations, we had over 4,500 people join us, right? Which that is incredible, is it not? I mean, wow, wow. But let me tell you what I'm really celebrating, and, and that's the reality that in those Christmas celebrations we had over 75 people articulate stepping from death to life by receiving the gift of Jesus this Christmas season. Declare his marvelous deeds, declare the wonderful things that he has done. Listen, we understand that God alone draws. God alone saves. God alone enables us to step from death to life and to relationship with him. And we give him praise for that, for what he did and what he continues to do. Now, I know last weekend, God moved in powerful ways. But I also believe as we step into this weekend, God has and already is doing incredible things amongst us. Now, this weekend is a unique weekend in many ways, right? There's a few unique things going on, but one of which is that our kids are with us. And I absolutely love that, all right? This is one of the unique weekends we do intentionally uh, over the course of the year, where we gather our entire church family ages six and up uh, to worship together. And there is something special about how God moves when we gather generations in one space and worship and engage God's Word together. And so I'm super pumped, kids, that you're here. In fact, I want to do something in a moment, and I know your your parents and your grandparents told you not to do this, but listen, parents, will you turn to your kids and say, I trust him, sort of, so you can kind of do whatever Pastor. Justin, ask, all right? Go ahead and do that. Perfect. All right, so here are kids, what I'm gonna give you a chance to do. This is like your dream come true. When I count to three, I want you to scream as loud as you can, all right? Kids can you do this with me, all right? And let me define kids. Kids are 18 and under, okay? We'll get to the big kids in a minute, all right? And so kids, don't let me down. This is your moment, your time to shine, all right? So ready? One, two, get your fingers ready folks, one, two, three. Yes! That was amazing! (laughs) Oh, that idea backfired. I was gonna give big kids a chance, but I'm not doing it after that. So awesome job, kids, right? Like, listen, I love that you're here, and as a church we love that because we really believe that our kids aren't the church of the future. Our kids are the church of today. If you have stepped into a relationship with Jesus, you are part of the body of Christ, whether you are young or old, and it doesn't matter. In fact, one of the reasons I love that our kids are with us today, because it's a reminder to us that, that the gifts we've been exploring over the last month in this Advent journey leading up to Christmas, the, the gifts of, of peace, the gifts of hope, the gifts of faith, the gifts of joy, they're available to all of us, regardless of how young or how old we are, right? I mean, God's desire for us, whether you're a kindergartner today and this is like your first Christmas break and you're like, this is awesome, or maybe you're on like the verge of retirement, or maybe you're like, I've been retired for 60 years. Like the reality is, those gifts are available to each and every one of us, and God's desire for us is that we would experience those gifts. And the good news is that we can experience those gifts of, of peace and hope and love and joy simply because of God's presence because of his presence. That's why that first Christmas day was so significant. I mean, this was the moment that Emmanuel, God with us, as as Matthew writes in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, he's actually speaking one of the prophecies in Isaiah, and he says, Emmanuel, God with us. This was the moment on Christmas that night that Jesus, God's son, came in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, had arrived. I love how John records it in John chapter 1. This is the message translation where it says the word, Jesus, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God with us, that Christmas day, God came in the flesh and he goes on to say, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I mean, this was the moment. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was here. And the reality is is that Jesus' presence, His presence changes everything changes everything. I mean, think with me for a moment of the men and women and children who encountered Jesus in the midst of his life, right? So Christmas Day comes, let's fast forward 30 years when Jesus begins his public life and in and ministry, and, and he interacts with a number of men, women, and children. Their lives are forever changed. Let's take a moment just to th- look at a few. Anybody remember the disciples? Right, these 12 men that were like, they were the castaways, they were the ones who were overlooked, they weren't smart enough, they weren't good enough, they didn't make the cut to be chosen by the rabbis of that time. And yet, when they encounter Jesus' presence, their lives are radically changed. They become disciples who are entrusted with the message, the greatest message ever for all of mankind. In an instant, when they encounter his presence, they're changed. Anybody remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, the wee little man, some of you guys remember that story, or Luke chapter 19, right? I mean, Zacchaeus is a, is a wicked tax collector. He is like the scum of the earth. I mean, he is despised. But in a moment, when he encounters Jesus, he's radically changed. And not just Zacchaeus, his entire home is changed. Any of you remember the, uh, the man by the name of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus? Right? Who had been blind his entire life, and and then there's this day when he encounters Jesus, and and now he can see. I mean, Jesus' presence changed everything. Or how about the man in Matthew chapter 18 who had leprosy, right? This is a guy who was like pushed to the outskirts of community because he had leprosy. I mean, he was, he was dirty, he was unclean, and he hadn't been touched in years, but when he encounters Jesus. Jesus, in a radical moment, reaches out and touches him. And when he encounters his presence, this man's life is is transformed. He's he's healed because Jesus' presence changes everything. How about the woman at the well in John chapter 4? Anybody remember her? This is a woman who went to the well to get water in the middle of the day because she was so full of shame and so full of guilt. She was so embarrassed that she didn't want anybody to see her. But yet Jesus crosses racial barriers and cultural barriers and and even social barriers to interact with this woman. And her life is changed, and not just her, but those in her city, because Jesus' presence changes everything. There are even children, all right? That came in Jesus' presence and were changed. There's this story of a, a father who brings his child to Jesus. I mean, and I resonate with this as a dad. Some of you are, are parents or grandparents. You get this. I mean, think of your child suffering, being demon possessed, and, and you can't do anything to, to, to free him or her. And he brings his child to Jesus, and he's like, Can you please help? And in this miraculous moment, Jesus, in his presence, casts this demon out, and this kid is transformed. You see, Jesus' presence changes everything, and that doesn't even include the groves and droves of people who followed Jesus, the hundreds of others who were healed, and, and those who were, who were hurting, who, who, you know, who found healing, those who were in despair that found hope, those who were just living in the midst of chaos and they found peace. You see, every single one of these men, women, and children that came into Jesus' presence were changed. Now here's the good news. Jesus is still Emmanuel. Jesus is still God with us today. And I don't have to just go pull various passages just to convince you that. We can look at Jesus' words or, himself. Right? In fact, the beginning of Matthew 1 verse 23 is when it says, you know, the prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us is coming. And you fast forward 27 chapters, the very end of Matthew chapter 28, the last things that Jesus says to, to his, to his followers. This is after he, he's getting ready to, he has died, he's, you know, he's rose again, he's, you know, he's spent life with his disciples after he had been dead and he'd come back to life and, and now he's right on the verge of ascending into heaven. So he gets one last opportunity to say something to his disciples, so he says, hey, Listen, this is what I want from you. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Remember this? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and and teaching them to to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then look at his last words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where he says this. And he says, and surely… Some of your translations say, behold, or or lo, what Jesus is saying is, listen, here's what I've asked you to do, but listen, surely, don't miss this, pause, make sure, those of you who are dozing off, look up, listen, surely, I am with you, help me out here, I am with you when? Always. I am with you always, to the very end of the age. I am with you always. I am a man you well. God with you. Now listen, Jesus wasn't just talking to his disciples in that moment. Jesus was literally communicating to every single one of us who have stepped from death to life into relationship with Jesus. And this is incredibly good news, as if the, 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 the news of the Gospel wasn't good enough news, right? The news that, you know, uh, that the creator of the ends of the earth loved us so much, even in our brokenness, even in our sin, that that he sent his own son, Jesus, you know, Emmanuel, to, to live the life we couldn't live and die the death that we deserved, right? That he didn't just stay in the grave, he rose from the dead, and that if we place our faith and trust in him, that we can have eternal life. Like, that's good news, right? Like, that's the gift of salvation. But what's incredible is in that moment, we're also offered the gift of his presence. We're offered the gift of access any day at any time to the very creator of the heavens of the earth, the very one who brought healing to those people that we've already looked at in Scripture. That same God, His presence is available to us. And you know, as we get ready to step into a new year, into 2019, my prayer for us is that we will embrace this gift of His presence like never before. And because of that, I wanna take a moment in our brief time together in the Word to just simply understand a couple things about this gift of presence. And the first one is this, is that presence is a gift we receive. Presence is a gift we receive. You see, in the moment that if you've stepped from death to life by receiving the gift of Jesus, I mean, you received this gift of access to His, his presence. Now, here's the deal. God's intent for us isn't just to receive that gift once, but rather that we would on an ongoing basis engage and access his presence in our lives. I mean, this Christmas, uh, the first gift that we opened as a family was actually a gift that Jesse and I uh, bought for the entire Barnes family, right? So, you know, we woke up way too early. I mean, Maddox started at 4 a.m., all right? And I'm like, Lord, have mercy, child. You know, like we're, uh, but anyways, we held him off woke up about four other times and about 6.30 finally we're like, okay, let's get out of bed. And so we got the family out of bed and um, all in our matching flannel pajamas, of course. And so we come to the living living room, and we open up our storytime Bible, and we read the Christmas story, and we spent time praying, you know, thanking Jesus for what Christmas was. And and then we handed them their first present, right? And Maddox and Ava, I mean, they just demolished this thing. You know, wrapping paper all over the place, the box exploded, and out from the box comes this bad boy right here, right? Now, for some of you, you're like, what's that? Good question. It's a Nintendo Switch, right? I mean— Ava looked at it and she had no idea what it was. I mean, she wants, she wants either Barbies or, you know, princesses. That's kind of what we're doing right now. And so she was on to whatever was next, but Maddox was pumped. I mean, Maddox is my six-year-old. He had no idea what this was, but he knew it had something to do with video games, and he was all in. All right? Like, he was good to go. Now, that was five days ago. Do you know how many times Maddox is asked to use this? Take a guess, just in your head, give yourself a guess. If you—46, yes. If you guessed anything less than a thousand, you were wrong, alright? Like it's been crazy, you know, I, we bought this, I didn't budget money for the counseling I would need after that, but like, but literally, he has asked a thousand times to use this thing. Now, I can't imagine a situation in which Maddox would open this that he would play with it for a few minutes, maybe an hour, maybe a couple hours, and then put it back in the box and put it on the shelf only to come back when, you know, maybe he was bored or, you know, there was nothing better to do. Like, he, he just wouldn't do that. that. That doesn't even register, right? But here's the deal. This was a pretty cool gift for Maddox. It was actually for the whole Barnes family. I don't know that we're going to get access to it, but it was for the whole Barnes family. But the gift of God's presence is so much greater than a piece of technology. In fact, you look throughout Scripture, just some of what this gift of His presence is for us. And I mean, there's all kinds of examples, and it just blows your mind what we have access through as followers of Jesus. But let me give you just one example, it's found in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 where it says this, it says, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in who? in you. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, He, He lives in us. But yet, listen to what happens for many of us, and I, I include myself in this. We step into relationship with Jesus, we, we receive salvation, we receive this access to His Spirit, to His presence, and, and we kinda, we kinda play with it a little bit for a little while and we feel good and, and we love it, but then somewhere along the lines we put it away and we kinda forget about it. And we kinda go on with our life until tragedy strikes, right? Somebody close to us gets sick and, and we go back or, 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 you know, we can't pay our bills or, or we lose our job or our marriage is on the rocks and we go back to the, to, the, to the Lord and we say, okay God, I need your presence. I need you to move. I need you to heal. I need you to give me wisdom. I don't know what to do, right? And then God gives us clarity because He's so good. He's so faithful that He continues to, to even in those moments, speak to us and lead us. And then our life kind of gets back to normal. And then we go, okay, okay, I'm good. Now let me go back on. And we do this over and over and over. But the reality, this is incredible, that we have access to God's presence every day in every decision and when we access his presence and when we come before him when we invite him into spaces with us it's in those spaces no matter how great they are or how challenging they are that we can encounter his presence and with that hope and peace and joy and love it's incredible And it's my prayer for you, just like it's my prayer for me, for my family, that this year, 2019, will be marked by just a a tenacity, like Maddox wanting to play a switch, right? Marked by a tenacity to just grab a hold of Jesus, to take advantage of the opportunity and the access we have to His presence. You see, God's presence is a gift we receive. But the reality is, is it's not just a gift we receive, it is that. You see, but God's presence is a gift we receive and one that we give to others. Presence is a gift we receive and one that we give to others, right? I love that John chapter 1 passage that we looked at earlier, where it talks about, you know, the the word becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood. And and if you fast forward thousands of years later, the reality is, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God, the presence of God is in you, you and I are the flesh and blood of Jesus in neighborhoods all throughout the Quad Cities, all throughout this region, or if you're jumping in online, whatever community you live in, you are literally the flesh and blood of Jesus, God's presence in your neighborhoods. And I look and I go, what would it look like for you and I? What would it look like for our cities, for our neighborhoods, for our workplaces, for our restaurants, if you and I literally didn't just receive the gift of His presence, but if we lived out actually giving the gift to all of those around us, right? I mean, Jesus is our example in this, right? We're going, how did He do that? Well, there were moments in Scripture where Jesus would withdraw the quiet, solitary places, it says. Sometimes even early in the morning, that's commitment, right? And so, He drew away solitary places, and He prayed, and He sought the Father. He sought to grab hold of God's presence. But then when He left those spaces, I mean, Jesus was radically present everywhere He went. I mean, and this is—Jesus is a guy that, that had a few demands, didn't He? I mean, thousands of people, everyone wanted a part of Jesus, but yet he was willing to give the gift of his presence to those around him, and their lives were never the same. And in the same way, listen, if we do that, we can see transformation in spaces that we never thought possible. But you may ask, like, well, why don't we do that, right? It sounds really good, and and this isn't the first time some of us have heard this. Why don't we do that? And I think there's a few reasons. The first is we just get distracted, don't we? I mean, any of you own something that looks like this? Anybody? Right? A smartphone? I mean, I can't, can you believe that for thousands of years up until about 20 years ago that we lived without these things? Isn't that crazy? Right? I mean, like, wow. But anyways, for us it's a distraction. You know what? I I did some research this week. Do you know how often we engage these, those of us who have smartphones? On average, every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes, like translation is, you know, I put my phone here and and I go on with my life and it's time, oh, I got to go back and see if somebody's texted me or, you know, it's crazy. I mean, no wonder we can't engage God's presence or be fully present with those around us, right? Anybody got social media? Any like Facebookers or stalker books, what I call it, all right? Like Twitter, right? Check this out. Came across something this week that said, on average, the average person who's engaged in social media spends, you got to hear this, two hours a day on social media. That's two hours a day of scrolling and clicking and liking and loving and, and, and seeing if somebody commented on my post and, and doing selfies like, yeah, you know, like, and, and literally like now checking how many followers we have and I got 1623, hashtag winning, right, like that's like two hours a day. I mean, think about this. If if you're young today and you spent two hours a day engaging in social media your entire life, listen to this, you'd spend 70 years on social media. Seven years clicking and sharing and forwarding and liking and retweeting and whatever the other thing is. You know, like, I don't know what that is. But listen, like, that's a lot of time. And this is time that that we could be grabbing hold of Jesus and and being present with those around us. So I think it's distraction. I I also think it's, we're just busy people, aren't we? I was looking online this week and realized that Americans and in the industrialized countries around the world, Americans spend more time at work than anyone else. And yet we feel like we need more work time, all right? I know I'm guilty of that. So we're distracted, we're, we're busy, we're taking our kids to soccer and then to dance and then to swimming and then, you know, to, to synchronized whatever, you know? Like, we're doing stuff and we're taking our kids and that stuff is good, but we're so busy. So we're distracted, we're busy. And, 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 and thirdly, I just don't think we make it a priority. It's just not a priority for us to actually make ourselves available to give the gift of presence. You know, here's the deal. All of us get 24 hours in a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, and so many times we say, "Listen, I don't I don't have time to to pursue God's presence or I don't have time to, you know, take my my loved one out on a date or I don't have time to 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 hang out with friends or or to do that." But the reality is is we just don't prioritize it. There's a difference between not having time and not making time, right? And it's my prayer for us that this year, as we step into this year, that in many ways the word presence would be something that just, that we radically pursue this year. That we radically seek to take hold of God's presence, to experience him moment in and moment out, and then to walk out of those times and be radically present with our family and our, and our loved ones in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. And so the question that I want to really ask all of us as we step into another year is, is where do you need to prioritize presence? Maybe it's your walk with the Lord, and you're saying, as I come into this year, many of us are saying, I want to I I know Jesus better, but, but will you prioritize the time? Where will you make time? Or, or maybe it's the relationships around you or the communities that you're longing to see transformed. Like, will you prioritize presence, your presence and God's presence in you, in those spaces. I'll tell you, this is something that I, I really struggle with and work hard on. And so like some of you, you know, you maybe have children. For me, I literally, things that's helped me is I've literally set time aside for what I call daddy dates, okay? Daddy dates. Maddox and I go to the Mallards game. They'll always be the Mallards, don't tell me they're the storm, right? Like they're the Mallards. The first time the Mallards scored a goal it like changed his life, seriously. Like it was like wow, his life changed and he, and he loves the Mallards. And then Ava wants to go see puppies, alright, like that's what we do. She wants to see puppies and if it's a really good night we might go to Jungle Bungle and I pray that there's other kids so I don't have to go up in the things with her, right? Like, But these are, these are moments with my kids. Or maybe you're in a relationship today and you're married and, and, and for you, you need to prioritize things like just simply taking your bride or your groom on a date. You know, Jesse and I praise God for kids midweek because every Tuesday night we bring our kids in and then we go on a date and we remind ourselves that we are more than just Jesse and Maddox's parents, but we're best friends. Like, I love her and she loves me and we actually like being around each other. For some of us, it's time with friends. We just, we need people in our life that just breathe life into us and people we can laugh with. And I know Jesse and I have tried to be intentional about finding time to just be with people that we can encourage and they can encourage us. That's Hebrews 10. Like, don't give up meeting, but encourage one another all the more as Christ's return draws near. Like, that's what we need in our neighborhoods. I mean, each of us, this is the flesh and blood in the neighborhood. We found that we have to prioritize time to just simply be good neighbors, to love our neighbor. Like, I think Jesus told us to do that, right? But we have to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen by accident for us. And maybe even for you, you're like, I want to be a part of the great work that God's doing. And it's about prioritizing time to be present in the spaces where people, the forgotten people are. What I mean by that, even this week, we are at Rock Island County Jail giving socks out, right? We do that every year. And I was face to face across some glass from a, a gentleman that's going to spend most likely the rest of his life in prison. And we gave him a pair of socks, and this guy just has tears running down his face. And you're going, it had nothing to do with the socks. You guys know that. It had to do with our presence. It had to do with the reality that we would take the time as a team to go and to give our time and our presence to them. And to tell them, Merry Christmas, there's a God that hasn't forgotten you. I mean, that's what it's about, being present. And it's my prayer for you and I this year, listen, whatever that thing is where you need to make time and prioritize presence, if it's eliminating distractions or it's, it's saying no to things that you've said yes to before so we're not as busy, or if it's just simply saying, you know what, I'm going to prioritize my time grasping hold of him and making myself available to whoever it is that the Holy Spirit's stirring in you. May this be a year that is marked by presence, you receiving the gift of his presence, and giving the gift of presence to all those around you. Now, as we leave service today, we, we actually have an opportunity to help create environments where this presence can take place with, with some of our brothers in Kewanee, as well as the men and women at Rock Island County Jail. And, and what we're going to do is, and I'm going to invite each family here, and whether you have your kids with you or you're here on your own, you're a family, all right? And I'm going to invite you to go in their lobbies and spaces. You'll get direction at each of your campus. But we're going we're to assemble a goodie bag, right? And these are bags that are actually going to be used when the, when the children of the inmates come to visit. And the goal is to have materials so that they can actually engage one another and enjoy uh, that moment of just being present. I mean, and in these goodie bags you're going to find things like, you know, word searches and there's stickers and there's even like some, uh, this is my favorite, noise putty, right? Like, I want one of these things, right? And then there's a, there's a piece of paper there, a card that you're just simply are going to take a moment to, to write a note. You don't know the child that this, that will get this bag. But the Lord does. And and just a note to say, you know what? I want you to know that you matter, that you're not forgotten, that God is present with you. And then just simply as a family, take a moment, stuff everything in the bag, and pray over it, put it in the basket. And listen, these are going to go, and they're going to be things that are engaged with at the county jail here in Rock Island and at Kiwani. But this can be something that we help create to facilitate presence. And so today, let me ask you. What do you need to prioritize? What do you need to move? What distractions do you need to eliminate? What what busyness do you need to avoid and say no to, so that you can receive God's gift of presence and give the gift of presence to others? As you consider that question in a moment at each of our locations, we're going to step into communion together. And there's no better way to be reminded of Emmanuel, God with us, than to step into the sacred moment of communion. So before we step into that moment, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who is, isn't distant. You're not a God who's aloof, a God who's disinterested, but you are a God that loves us so much that you sent your son Emmanuel, God with us, to come and to give his life for us so that we might have access to your presence every single day. And God, my prayer for for us as a church family, for everyone here, God, is that this would be a year as we step into 2019 that's marked by our receiving the gift of your presence and turning around and giving that gift to the people that we love and the spaces that we find ourselves. And God, may you bring yourself great glory. May lives be transformed, just like the lives of those who interacted with Jesus when he walked on this earth. So God, we love you, and we give you thanks, and we give you praise, and we invite you into this moment now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.